Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27 today, just two verses. And um, you know me in Romans chapter 8, it may be we finish these two verses next week. We'll see. Uh, but I'm not going to uh, um, hasten uh, through this because um, I believe there are some things here, not just for our hearts to rehearse, but possibly for many of our hearts, even for those of us that may have been in the Lord for decades, to learn something new and a fresh year that we'd not known before. And uh, so hopefully it's an encouragement to you uh, as we continue on this morning. Let's look at verses 26 and 27. We'll read these and pray and then continue on. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts, the he there is God, and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Holy Spirit is, because he, the Holy Spirit, intercedes for the saints according to God. Literally, that's what it says, according to God. The New American Standard has added the words, the will of, so according to the will of God. Underline that last phrase, according to the will of God, or according to God. This is going to help us understand what these two verses mean in the immediate context in light of the chapter context that we've been studying in Romans chapter 8, which is offering for us, which is detailing for us, multitudes of ways in which the Lord seeks to uh, assure our hearts and to allow us to understand spiritual security when we know Christ. This whole chapter is certainly about spiritual security and assurance. As a matter of fact, a lot of times when you're a new believer, uh, you'll be encouraged to read uh, John's first letter. There's, he wrote three letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And, and if you're struggling with whether you're saved or not, and you're struggling with assurance, uh, a Christian might tell you to go to 1st John, read those five chapters, and, and those chapters will assure your heart that, that you're a child of God. Um, I wonder if this guy is not going to offer Romans chapter 8 now first, and then 1st John, chapters 1 through 5, because really Romans chapter 8, that's what it's doing. M many layers reminding God's people how they can assure their hearts that they are children. And that's so important, isn't it? There's, there's many ways that we as um, um, aunts, uncles, uh, parents, grandparents, there's many ways that we seek to assure little ones that we love them. Many ways. Birthday cards, birthday parties, special ways in which we do holidays. Uh, maybe you'll write them a note of encouragement from time to time. I read a story yesterday of a faithful, loving father, and uh, it was uh, a man that's well-known in Hollywood, but he was more old school in the way he fathered, and his daughter, he died at 96 this week, and his daughter said every night, 365 days a year, dad called just to see if the family was okay. Um, there's lots of different things that that people do to assure their progeny that they're loved and they're, they love them being part of the family. And remember, Paul's not writing to the Roman church in any critical way. 
This church is a healthy church. I want to reiterate that when we go into, again, another layer of assurance and security. Uh, the Apostle Paul is not saying that these people are spiritually struggling. There's a couple things, again, we, we need to know that Paul's not doing here before we find out what he is doing. These people are not spiritually struggling. Very important because I think a lot of us have understood these two verses in relationship to the Christian spiritual struggle at particular times in their lives when they're going through hardship. That is not primarily what this text is about. Number two, this text, because of what we've described about the nature and the character of the Church of Rome at this time when Paul writes to her, this, this letter is not written to just spiritually weak Christians. The text does use the term weakness, but Paul is not addressing here a perpetual chronic weakness in the life of the Romans. He, he's talking about a periodic time period when we will struggle understanding and knowing and applying God's will. We'll discuss that as we go on this morning, but we need to understand those, these, those two things, what this text is, is not about as we continue. Jesus said in John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them because they, what? They follow me. They follow me. Um, it's assumed that if you're a believer, you would want to follow God's words. It's assumed in scripture that if you're walking in the spirit, that you will certainly um, exude the fruit of the spirit and not gratify the lusts of the flesh in your life. It's assumed that if you're walking in the Spirit, you want to know an increasing basis more and more of this book, the Bible, so that you can know how to live it. Would you agree with me? Amen. It's assumed in Christianity that that's just the way it is for someone who's truly born again and knows Christ as their Lord and Savior. So Paul is assuming when he writes, again, the Church of Rome, that this is the reality in their lives. He's assuming that they have a great passion for God. They have a great passion to understand and know and live his words. So this is a healthy group of people. I believe by and large the Lord's given us here at Grace Church a healthy growing group of saints and may that always be the case. But this is one way in which the Lord seeks to assure our hearts that you're a child of God. He's saying here you are a child of God if you want to increasingly know this book so you know how to live it. You have to know it before you can live it. So if you're here this morning and you say, well, I don't even really believe this book is totally God's word, then you probably need to know Christ first. And we'll discover that a little bit later before you can actually do the word. You might be someone here who says, you know what? I believe the Bible is partly the word of God, but not completely the word of God. And there again, you might need to be instructed as to who Christ is and be born again because a born again believer that's truly been changed inside embraces the whole of this book as truth long before they know the truth of the book. They embrace the truth of the book long before they know comprehensively the truth. We do that by faith. That's what God does in a heart that's truly been changed by God in salvation. It brings us to just assume that this book is indeed completely the word of God. Now, understanding that, Let's go back and, and look at our text this morning um, a little bit more carefully. 
all of us would have to admit that there are times in our lives when knowing and doing God's will will not always be easy. So for those of you who have been recently brought into the family of God through salvation, when I say God's will, that's synonymous with God's word. God's word is God's will and God's will is God's word. But there are times in our life, regardless of how long you've been in the Lord, where we struggle to know and to do God's will. Would you agree? It can be hard from time to time just because we know our old sin for natures. And no matter how old we are in the Lord, we feel like Paul described himself from time to time in Romans 7, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the Lord I love. In addition, the will of God can be hard to do because we may not comprehend a certain passage of Scripture without the help of the Spirit of God and the help of others who understand it and have lived it. God's will can pose difficulty to us simply because we know if we begin to follow a certain portion of God's word that we have come to understand that it will change our lives permanently and we may not be just ready for that permanent change yet. Have you ever been there? Boy, I get this. If I start to do what I get in this passage, everything's changed. And that happens even if you've been in the Lord 80 years everything changes. Yeah, it does alter our lifestyles, doesn't it? We understand too that if we're going to do what we understand in God's word by the help of the Spirit, that that might even affect our relationships with our friends and family. Doing the Lord's will may be a struggle for us just simply because we're exhausted. Paul warns the Galatian believers, be careful not to grow weary in well-doing. Mature people can struggle with weariness, can't we? And even then we'll find out in this passage that in that weary moment, God the Spirit is doing something for us to help us not just know but adhere to the doing of His will. Doing God's will takes discipline. Mustering up the discipline to do what we know can be quite an adventure for us. I would say even the discipline of gathering together for worship in our culture, for those who have been saved for years, still uh, is difficult to maintain. In the old days, we used to say, you know what, as many times as the doors are open, you should be here with God's people. That was just a simple cliche way of reiterating Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the what? So much the more. It didn't say so much the minimum. Right? It says so much the more. In other words, as you're growing in God's word and doing his will, your desire to be with God's people should be growing especially in the context of worship, not waning. So even those of us who are, have been in the Lord for a long time and who may be a bit more mature than some that haven't, we even struggle with maintaining that discipline, don't we? But we know it's just what God would have us do. For those, again, who have been mature in the Lord for some time, even though you know the Word of God more deeply, isn't it hard at times to make certain decisions? I mean, you want to please the Lord so bad, but deciding on buying a house, a car, an education, a job, 
a geographic move, or making a certain medical decision, or any number of other choices can be a hardship for sure, can it? We're going to find out from this text even how the Holy Spirit of God desires us for, to know and to trust his governorship of our lives through the word of God, even in making those decisions. Amen. And don't ever forget, folks, 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Write that in the, cross, cross, in the margin of your Bible here. When God, God saves us, by the help of the Spirit, he helps us understand this book and this book pertains to all matters of life and godliness. All matters of life and godliness. The Spirit of God is very intentional and very gracious and very patient, quite persistent, infinitely persistent, to help us understand and know, listen, the Word of God that He inspired men to write. He has a very, very divine and genuine interest just by his own nature and his activity within the Godhead through the act of inspiration. If he's breathing into Paul what to write here, don't you think the Spirit of God is also going to do everything he can to throw himself behind us to understand the word and do it? Wouldn't that make sense? So again, if you desire to know God's word and to do it, Paul's generally saying here, well, you, your heart should be assured that you're a believer. So, if you're wondering, even though you're struggling, if you're wondering if you're a believer and you're in a time of struggle, if you're here this morning because you really do want to know God's word and to do it, let that alone assure your hearts that you should no longer be wondering. In addition to that, for all of us, regardless where we are in our particular stage of our spiritual growth, the Holy Spirit of God has a perpetual ministry for you. And he takes that prayer ministry before the throne of God, and he's regularly beseeching God that you would know and understand and then do his word, which is his will. That's really what this text is certainly saying. Right. Now, Let's divide these two verses up into three simple sections. I try to do my sermon divisions uh, as simply as possible. And, and sometimes I'm e even successful in dividing the simple divisions up alliteratively. Is that a word? If not, I just made it one. All right. Alliteratively. In an alliterative way. With alliteration. Is that better? All right. All right. Number one. Let's study the nature of the Spirit of God's help for us first. The nature. Number two, I want to understand the nurture of the Spirit of God in the way he helps us here. The nature of it, and then the nurture of his help. And finally, the necessary means. The nature, the nurture, and the necessary means of how the Spirit of God performs this ministry in our lives to assure our hearts that we are certainly children of God. The nature of his ministry to us is found in merely the first phrase of verse 26. It says here, in the same way. Your Bible might say likewise. 
the idea here is that this phrase connects us to the previous phrase before it. So let's go back to verse number 25 and let's read that. You remember from last week if you're able to be here. But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. Now, we understand from last week that all of creation is groaning for the arrival of the sons of God, the children of God, because at the arrival of the sons of God and their glorified bodies, the world knows, too, that that's the beginning of its renewal. So in light of that hope that we have within us, we, we wait eagerly for the return of the Lord. This is a certain hope for us. But the Bible's going to say here that the Spirit of God, in the same way, eagerly waits, just as creation does, and as Christians do, for coming glorification. But his eager anticipation is along the lines of, in the meantime, while creation and we wait for that renewal, there's an obligation that the Spirit of God knows that we shoulder as His people in relationship to knowing and doing God's Word. So these two verses are going to tell us that the Holy Spirit, the nature of what's going on here in the heart of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit of God that indwells you cannot help Himself, but help you know the Word of God better and live it more comprehensively and practically in your life because he knows that the development of his will, God's will in you, will only increase the intensity of your anticipation, of your hope. They're, they're inextricably linked in the same way. So with the same hope in mind, this is what the Spirit of God does for us. He wants the anticipation of your hope not to just be maintained, but to be grown. Don't you want your children to become more excited about an event that you've told them's coming that's special in your family than less excited about that event? Christmas time's really close. Some of you may have already begun to gather your Christmas list from your kids. The closer you get to Christmas, what do you do? You just tease your kids without the excitement of the day. That's the funnest part of Christmas is the tease before the day. You want to build their excitement for the day, don't you? It's just natural for us to do that with any of our relatives. That's the idea here in verses 26 and 27. He's not teasing us. The Spirit of God desires to instruct us, and the more hunger and knowledge and understanding and application of God's Word, that does something to increase our excitement about the day of the appearing of Jesus Christ. So that should be increasing more and more. Think about that in relationship to 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 18, where we're told to encourage one another with the reality of the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're able to encourage each other more effectually if we understand the nature of the Holy Spirit and what his desire is here via his nature to know and to understand God's word. So in a disciple-making culture where we're all trying to help each other 
we're all trying to shepherd each other's souls into a deeper understanding of God's word, one thing should be certainly true, that this should be a group of people that is gaining, growing in their excitement about the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It should be captivating our attention more and more as we grow in the word. Okay? So again, I have to ask myself this question, so I'll ask you. Are you really growing in your anticipation of seeing Jesus? That anticipation is really the thermometer, the gauge, upon which you really understand the Word of God or not. You have to understand here what the Holy Spirit's interceding before the throne for is this. is not just knowledge of the Word. It's the doing of the Word. In our kind of Christianity, all of us have plenty of facts of knowledge packed neatly in our theological suitcases. Learning's not an issue here. Doing can be the issue. But the Spirit of God's ministry to us here to assure our hearts that we are God's children in His nature is to pray that we know and then we do and then what happens as a result of that? Excitement builds. Excitement builds. And I find that to be true as a pastor now of 26 years. The people that know the Word of God in a more deep fashion and are the people and the people that know the word of God and apply it in a more deep fashion, I can tell you that there is a, a, a growing core of people here that are practicing both who are really getting excited about seeing Jesus. But I will tell you here, there's a lot of people in the peanut gallery still who know a lot about the word, who have struggles living it, and their excitement's just kind of waning. And those are the people that get caught up in the environment, they get caught up in the all the fallenness that this world has and the chaos and the concerns and, you know, distracted by, you know, just living the American dream and staying busy. Right? So you can know a lot about the Word of God and not get excited about the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Right? So this is knowing and doing. So in the same way, in the same way the Holy Spirit of God longs to do something here and we'll find out what that is as we move along here to the way he nurtures us the way he nurtures us uh, continue on with me here in, in verse 26 in the same way the spirit also helps the spirit also helps in 2004 we were moving into uh, the house that we're currently living in and I thought that I would be a wise guy and pick up this recliner all by myself and carry it from the truck down the ramp right down the driveway, up the steps, and into the room it should possibly go. I made it about halfway and realized that I was a fool for thinking I could bear the load alone. Back then our children were very small, but we had some people from the church, and I said, hey, Joe, I really need help with this recliner if it's going to get in the right place. Couldn't you come and help me? In the New Testament, in John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit is described as a paraclete, a support, a spiritual support for us. But that's not the word that's used here. The word used here is three different Greek words put into one word. I'm going to describe what each word means. But this is the idea. Joe did come alongside me. He did help lift that chair. He did not take the load of the chair on his own shoulders. 
He helped me bear it. And that chair got to its appropriate place. That's the idea here. The Spirit of God, in the same way, understanding the nature, this is the first way He nurtures us. He helps us carry the weight. Now, I told you I'd explain this, these three Greek words put into one here, and I'll do that with. The, the first Greek word means just simply to do something together with somebody. Together with. Right? And it means to do it for them. You do it with them, but you do it for them, not against them. And it literally means to take hold of or to bear the weight. Three Greek words in one. Bear the weight with somebody together with them because you're moving forward. You're doing something for them. So the Holy Spirit of God here is nurturing us in this way. And the idea is this. The Holy Spirit is completely aware that there are some spiritual loads that we learn in God's word that are too heavy for us to bear at times. So he doesn't lift the load off of our shoulders alone. He comes alongside and he helps us bear that load together and he says here he helps us in our weakness this isn't physical weakness this is at times spiritual weakness remember not because you're out of fellowship with God it's just as you're growing in Christ likeness and you're craving to know more about God's word and do it there's at times where we have a hard time understanding it or if we understand that a hard time applying it and that's what's identified here as weakness so the Holy Spirit's going to come alongside and he's going to bear the load, help bear the load for us. Because it goes on to say, for we do not know how to pray as we should. So there might be part of God's word that you're struggling with. Again, whether to know it and understand it or whether you do understand it or how to do it. And it's a burden to your heart because spirit-filled believers always want to know more so they can live more for God, right? 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 and 2, right? Our love for God is expressed more and more by how we ought to walk and to please God. We're always wanting to please. We get to these moments. They're not perpetual, but they're periodic. where We're just kind of crumbling. And we go before the Lord and we get on our knees and we, we're like, I don't even know how to pray. But guess what? There is someone who does. And he's the one who actually inspired the writers of Scripture. And he is God himself. And there is an intercession of the Holy Spirit for the believer. And in this context, it is specifically an intercession regarding you, helping you know and understand and do the will of God. Say, we may know what to pray, but we don't know how to pray. I believe that's the wording in this text. We know the content of what we need to understand. We know uh, maybe the content of partially how to, what to do with the content, but, but mm, there's just that little, and the ministry, the initial ministry of the application of God's word to our life always begins here. You with God's word, and when you get to a weak point of understanding it or apply it, the second phase is the spirit of God's intercession for you. It never starts with you picking up your phone and saying, hey, I don't understand this text. Could you help me? 
There's nothing wrong with that, but that's really phase three. Phase one is you and the word. Phase two is I might not get this, so Lord, I'm going to go to you and understand that when I go to you, even though I don't know how to pray, I'm understanding the Spirit of God knows how to pray. And by the way, the Holy Spirit of God's prayers have always been answered. They've always been answered in relationship to his word. Never one has been missed. And I'm assured that I'm going to understand that answer, if not now in time, because I know the Holy Spirit of God's intercessions always get answered. And then maybe phase three, in the meantime, as you're awaiting that illumination, you're welcome to pick up a phone of another believer and say, hey, look, have you ever been through this? And guess what? Sometimes the Holy Spirit of God's prayer before the Father is answered through another believer. Amen. Yep, I got that, and this is how I applied it, so maybe I can help you. That's just one way of many. But you can be assured that omnipotence is throwing itself behind your desire to know and to do God's word. Amen. And we all enjoy that nurturing, don't we? We all need that nurturing, to be sure. What about the necessary means? The necessary means. Well... I can remember when I was a boy, I loved putting together plastic models. Now I know hobby shops are places a lot of us don't frequent very often anymore. There's a little hobby shop in downtown Willoughby that I love to go to. And, and when you go over to the model section, the old plastic model section, you find something that's true now that didn't used to be true years ago. A lot of the boxes that contain the plastic models are all filled with dust. It's because kids don't like to put down and sit down and do plastic models anymore, but they're still there. I remember one Christmas, my dad bought me an aircraft carrier. This aircraft carrier was about 38 inches long. And I got so excited when I opened it. And then when I got into the box, the first thing you look for is what? The directions. And I picked up that direction manual, and it was a little thicker than the other little model planes I had put together before. And this wasn't going to re require a little coffee table. Right? This was going to require the dining room table to spread all the parts out and to go stage by stage. And it was not going to take a half a day to put together or an hour. It was going to take about a month. But I was excited about it. It was detailed. It was going to take some discipline but the end product was worth it. So, understanding the nature of the Holy Spirit and his desire to assist us in the same way, prepare our understanding of the word so our joy, anticipation of joy um, increases. Understanding that he nurtures our, health, our, our hearts by, by helping us in our time of weakness. Now he's going to lay out for us in verse number 26 the necessary means by which we're able to, in detail, assure our hearts before God that we are his children by knowing and doing his word. Okay? Simple enough? Great. You come back next week and we'll look at the necessary means. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for how simple this text, which has been widely misunderstood, and I don't know why, over time is to our hearts this morning. And certainly, Lord, we want it to mean what it meant to the Roman church. We want it to be as simply understood as it was understood by them. And Lord, we want to be a congregation that's increasing in our knowledge of your word. 
so that we know how to live and to do your will. Thank you, Father in heaven, for the omnipotent assurance that we have that we can know and do your will. We can please you. We know we're already pleasing in Christ. We want to be practically pleasing to you. And we look forward to next week when we can look at these necessary means that we have been given to us at our disposal to assure our hearts that we're your children in relationship to knowing and doing your word. In Christ's name, amen.